0: It's Friday, April 26th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Well, it's finally official. Former Vice President Joe Biden has jumped in the race for president in 2020. He announced his bid by video and positioned his run as a battle for the soul of the country, saying we cannot let Donald Trump alter the character of the nation. Zach Montalero, campaign reporter for Politico, joins us for what to watch out for as Joe Biden joins an already crowded field of contenders. Next, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un just held his first summit with the Russian president, and Vladimir Putin confirmed that North Korea is willing to give up their nuclear weapons, but only if they get ironclad security guarantees. We're also hearing that as we were trying to get a comatose Otto wambir back after being held by North Korea for 17 months, they issued a $2 million bill for his hospital care before he could be released. Dave Lawler, Axios World Editor, joins us for the latest. Finally, airports and the TSA are gearing up for the Real ID deadline, and you should be too. You won't be able to fly domestically after October 1st, 2020, unless you have a Real ID compliant license, or unless you want to carry around your passport. Harriet Vasquez, contributor to USA Today, joins us for why you should get your Real ID sooner rather than later. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in.
1: If we give Donald Trump eight years in the White House, he will forever and fundamentally alter the character of this nation, who we are. And I cannot stand by and watch that happen. Joining
0: us now is Zach Montalero, campaign reporter for Politico. It's what everybody was expecting. We all knew it was coming. The 20th person to enter the 2020 race on the Democratic side, former Vice President Joe Biden, formally announced on Thursday with a video that he posted to his Twitter page Kind of a weird launch. I would have expected maybe something bigger. You know, let's get a rally. You know, Senator Amy Klobuchar was standing in the snow with a bunch of people there cheering her on. I I kind of expected something bigger. But he had a video and he basically said that his candidacy is for the soul of the country. He's fighting for the soul of the country. We can't allow Donald Trump to have another four years in office. Tell us about his video launch.
2: His video was probably the worst kept secret in Washington. That's my, maybe why he went so early. You know, just about every outlet was reporting that Joe Biden is coming this week. He does have a bigger launch rolling out, but you know, with this, he can officially start fundraising, and that's really what he wants to do. That's why he announced now. There's a, several fundraisers planned over the weekend that we know about. That are just trying to make a big splash, trying to declare that Joe Biden is a major candidate, that despite the fact that Joe Biden is you know, older than most of the other candidates, is certainly more moderate than a lot of the candidates in the field, that Joe Biden, at least in his team's mind, should be seen as the front runner.
0: That's the first big test is all of the fundraising, what he gets in the first 24 hours and the first week. Joe Biden even said that in a conference call with some of his top donors, like this is the big test. We need to go big on, on the money.
2: The interesting part of that too is how will he raise that money? You know, campaign finance has really passed Joe Biden by. He hasn't had to run a you know campaign on he is the sole figurehead since 2008. Back then it used to be largely based around big donors, cutting that one check, you know, um, Bundlers gathering a bunch of their rich friends and all giving money at once. That's really not how Democrats are funding their campaigns anymore. At least in a part, Democrats are relying on those small donors to give them money you know somebody chipping in 20 bucks a couple times in the course of the campaign someone giving five dollars every month and that's the big question for joe biden is can he raise that money from small donors joe biden does not have an infrastructure that a lot of these other candidates had senator Bernie sanders is incredible at raising these small dollar donors that's what he powered his 2016 campaign on he's kept his email list he's kept his support base active but even current senators we've seen have have seen success in that too. Senator Kamala Harris is no slouch at this. He's been actively fundraising online. Someone like former Rep Beto O'Rourke powered his Texas Senate campaign off that. So Joe Biden needs to figure out a way to match that, not only in the big dollar and the big top line money, but also showing people that he has that grassroots support.
0: Let's talk about the messaging from Joe Biden's video, because it was a little different than the messaging from some of his rivals. He started off with a lot of imagery from The neo-Nazi rallies in Charlottesville, he hit on the president for saying that there was very fine people on both sides, and he said, we can't let Donald Trump change who the country is. Even his sister, Valerie Biden Owens, who has run some of his campaigns and everything before, they said that when Charlottesville was happening, that that was the big moment where Joe Biden and a lot of other people were saying, you got to run, I got to do it. It was the big yes for him at that point.
2: Him mentioning the president so explicitly is also interesting, too. You know, a lot of other candidates, they don't dance around who they want to run against, but they mention him a little bit more obliquely or, you know, maybe leave him out entirely under their opening message. But for the vice president, he's making clear what his message is. He goes, hey, voters in the middle of the country, voters that I think I can win back to the Democratic Party, I'm like you. You remember me. You like me. You shouldn't like this other guy, this other guy being the president. Saying that from the gate, from the get-go that he's just explicitly referencing the president. And you know what many people find to be the super offensive parts about the president his rhetoric on white nationalism. And the vice president is just trying to say, remember me and remember who I am and remember who I want to run against.
0: Let's talk about some of the pros and cons that he has. I know his age is a con, but it could also be a pro for him. He He's positioning it as, as a benefit. You know, the world leaders respect him. He's a seasoned statesman. He knows what he's doing in this arena. So he can play it that way. And even with Democrats, he's more of a centrist. They can position themselves as progressive versus centrist, outsiders versus establishment. So what else are we looking for with his campaign?
2: For all the hubbub of do Democrats want a younger face for the party, the top two candidates in Literally every single poll right. Have been two 70-plus-year-old men White men, you know Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders So I think we're probably seeing That collectively between the two of them They've just about approached A 50% in both polls That yes, Democrats broadly Want a younger face of the party But if it means beating Trump They'll take an old white guy Of course, the differences Between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders Are quite vast Other than their age But it's always interesting to me To see that How Democrats are fueled By younger voters More or less It's an important part of the coalition So Joe Biden needs to embrace parts of his legacy that have that moderate streak, that Joe Biden has always been a politician who wanted to work across the aisle. Joe Biden even now, even recently applaud Republicans, applaud certain Republicans. He said recently that former Florida Governor Jeb Bush was a hell of a governor. So Joe Biden knows who he is and he thinks his moderate policy will win over Democratic voters and win over the voters that the Democratic Party lost in 2016.
0: Before he even announced that he was running, this whole thing of uh, the creepy Uncle Joe Biden thing came out. Uh, Lucy Flores had said that he inappropriately was touching her and smelled her hair and things like that. So uh, he seemed to kind of brush that off a little bit and still launched. But there's 558 days left until the 2020 election. So there's tons of time for everything to change.
2: Yeah, we're just under a year away from the first vote being cast in Iowa. So there's so much time for everything to change too. On the Lucy Flores bit too, he tried to call up Anita Hill and express regret for how he and other members of the, of the Judiciary Committee infamously handled her hearing, you know, 20 something years ago for Clarence Thomas. Anita Hill told the New York Times that she doesn't see that as an apology and Joe Biden really didn't apologize to her and that she needs to see more from him before she's ready to say that she could support him. So the Biden camp knows that there's something that needs to give, that there's some level right. that Biden needs to accept from the current, from the new Democrats who don't operate like old Democrats. But, you know, that's Biden has Biden's been elected in office longer than I've been alive. So Vice President Joe Biden really can't, you know, escape everything.
0: Well, we're off to the races now. Zach Montalero, campaign reporter for Politico. Thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thank you. their argument was that he was a criminal and that you know why would they let out a criminal uh, for no particular reason i told them then he was sick he needed to be taken care of by his parents
0: joining us now is dave lawler axios world editor north korea is in the news again for a couple of different reasons right now kim jong-un is in a summit with vladimir putin the russian president Talking about denuclearization, uh, it's kind of an interesting thing that Vladimir Putin has injected himself into these talks now. But let's start off with the other news coming out of North Korea. Reports are saying that as we were trying to get Otto Warmbier back, the American student who fell into a coma, soon after we got him back, he died. North Korea tried to bill us for $2 million to actually get him back, uh, $2 million for his hospital bills. What do we know about that?
3: This is basically in the negot- final negotiations when they were getting Otto Warmbier out of North Korea, the U.S. was forced to sign a document saying we will pay $2 million for Otto Warmbier's medical care. Obviously, he came back in an unconscious state and ultimately died. So this is a particularly galling thing that has emerged. We don't know whether the Trump administration ever made any moves towards paying this. It appears that they probably did not, but I don't think that's confirmed yet. But just the fact that North Korea presented the U.S. with the bill is, is pretty remarkable.
0: He was detained in North Korea for 17 months and died in 2017. North Korea said that his poor health was due to botulism, but doctors found no evidence of that. It's an interesting story to see how when they actually found out that Otto Wambier was in this coma, a couple of people flew out there to go assess his condition and that's when they were presented with this bill for $2 million. They uh, contacted Rex Tillerson, who was uh, at the Post at the time. He talked to President Trump. They said, sign the bill. You know, we'll figure it out later, I guess. And the doctor that was there also had to basically sign over how his condition was there. And he did say that it did seem that he was getting excellent medical care while he was there, that he didn't have any bed sores. And it did seem like the doctors there were trying to help him out. But still, they presented this $2 million bill at the end of it.
3: Right. And you'll remember that the case of Otto Warmbier actually during the kind of fire and fury phase of the U.S.-North Korea relationship, when Trump and Kim Jong-un were exchanging threats, Otto Warmbier was sort of a rallying cry on Trump's behalf about look at what they did to a young American who was in their captivity. So it's interesting now that the relationship has shifted somewhat to, at least at the leader level, a friendlier one. Still, the, the case of this young American and the, and the tragedy there is still a sticking point in the relationship.
0: Otto Wambier's parents sued North Korea over their son's death, and they were awarded $501 million settlement and damages. But North Korea is never going to pay that back. And Otto Wambier's father said that he ne- never heard about this $2 million bill coming through there. So, it's just a, a sad situation all around, and I'm just curious to see if we'll ever find out if the U.S. did actually pay for that bill.
3: Agreed, and, and CNN is, is citing government sources saying that they did not, that they that they never paid this bill, but that, that hasn't been confirmed at the highest levels. And it's funny, North Korea has a track record of not paying its bills. As you mentioned, when they travel abroad overseas, they tend to either not pay hotel bills. They have rung up some serious tabs around the world that they've not paid. So if the U.S., in fact, did commit to paying this money and ultimately didn't do it, it would be a tactic that would be not unfamiliar to the North Koreans.
0: The other part of the North Korean news, as I said, Kim Jong-un is meeting with Vladimir Putin. They talked about a range of issues, but among them was denuclearization. And uh, the AP was reporting that Putin had added that Kim Jong-un encouraged him to explain the nuances of their position to President Donald Trump. He's basically saying they are willing to denuclearize, but they want all sorts of security guarantees first.
3: Right. And Russia is in an interesting position here because they are in the neighborhood or at least closer to the neighborhood than the United States is. They really don't want to see a fully nuclear North Korea. They also are happy to inject themselves in between North Korea and the U.S. They want to be involved in this process. And they do have a general concern about the sort of threats and the rhetoric that you see from the U.S. because they don't want the situation in North Korea to become unstable. So if you did see sanctions drive to the absolute maximum on the U.S. side to the point where Kim Jong-un was really in trouble, that's not a situation Russia wants either. So they they are in favor of the middle ground here. And I think if you're Vladimir Putin, you're probably happy to be at the table after really being sidelined in the first year or so of diplomacy with North Korea.
0: What are the security guarantees that North Korea wants?
3: North Korea would love to see U.S. troops leave South Korea and Japan. They would love to see that security relationship, the alliance, go away. And they would really love to see a situation where the U.S. is not an active military player in their neighborhood. I think their goalposts have changed a number of times in terms of they obviously want no nuclear weapons in their neighborhood. They're not going to get to a point where the U.S. couldn't reach them with a nuclear weapon, though, right? That's just not a feasible outcome here. Dave Lawler,
0: Axios World Editor, thank you very much for joining us.
3: Great to be with you.
2: Did you know that ID requirements are changing in order to fly domestically? Here's what you need to know so that you don't miss your flight by presenting the wrong ID.
1: Starting October 1st, 2020, you'll need to present a real ID compliant ID or
0: an acceptable alternative ID to fly within the U.S. Joining us now is Harriet Baskus, contributor to USA Today and runs the website stuckattheairport.com. We're going to be telling you about the real ID and it's about a year and a half away where everybody has to have this new ID card But a year and a half goes by super quick. It's going to come quicker than you think. Let's start off by talking about what the real ID card is. Because a lot of people are confused. I asked one of my friends has it already. I asked a few of my other friends. They don't even know what the real ID thing is or that they have to get a new ID card. So let's start off there. What is this new real ID card?
1: So as I understand it... (laughs) It's a new version of our, for most of us, of our driver's licenses that proves, I guess, to the Department of Homeland Security and TSA and anyone who needs real ID from us that we have gotten our driver's licenses updated to comply with new rules that really show we are who we are. So it's a new set of rules we all, every state has to comply with.
0: And this has been a long time coming. The Real ID Act was legislation passed in 2005 that was a response to the 9-11 terrorist attacks that sets this higher minimum security standards for our driver's license and ID cards. It's taken this long. There's been so much confusion with all the states to get into compliance. Do we know what these new minimum standards are? What's the difference?
1: The difference is that they're asking you to prove more and to provide more information to get that ID. So you have to... um, prove whether or not you're a US citizen, which is what I think when some of the pushback has come from, it's a more proof of identity, you have to prove your social security, you have to provide more proof of who you are. To get a compliant ID card. So, more paperwork. Where the confusion, more paperwork, (laughs) more time, more concern for some people about why we have to provide this on
0: a national level. I know that there was this kind of notion of this it's too big brother, they want to get too much information from you. But, I mean, if you're going to be flying domestically anyways, you already need an ID. You already need to submit a bunch of paperwork. My producer, Miranda, went through the process. She said it wasn't that difficult to get it. But the way you can identify these new real ID cards is that in the top right-hand corner, there will be either a star or some other symbol that denotes that it's uh, real ID compliant.
1: That's right. And that's even one of the confusions. When I talk to the TSA, which is the agency that's going to have to enforce this, They said, well, yes, you need a star, but in California, it's a star and a bear. In other states, it might have a different form of that star. So right away, it's a state issue for your driver's licenses, but you have to present them to a federal agency.
0: So on October 1st, 2020, if you don't have the real ID to fly domestically, you're going to have to have some other TSA-approved identification, like a passport. So... Traditionally, I mean, the way it is right now, the only time you need a passport is you're going to fly internationally. But if you don't have this new card, then you're going to have to provide your passport or whatever else you need. And it could just be a hassle for only 40 percent of Americans have their passports. So that's a lot of people. If you don't have this card or a passport, you're screwed. You're not going to be able to fly.
1: If you go on the Department of Homeland Security website or the TSA website, there's a whole list of other things that are acceptable that some people have like a permanent resident card or a border crossing card. Those are acceptable, but most people, their alternative would be to pull out their passport. I just did a story about how many things are left behind at TSA checkpoints. One of the top things on that list is passport and
0: ID. And I could totally see that happening. You know, you have to take your shoes off, your belt off, throw everything into the little tray so it could get scanned. And then you just grab all your stuff right away. Yeah, that could be easily one of the things that you leave behind. You know, we're talking about all the confusion among different states and everybody has to be in compliance. There are seven states right now that have been granted extensions. And then California, they are the only state that their compliance is under review. Do we know what any of that means?
1: So I asked the TSA about that and, and the person I talked to said, I'm not really sure, call the Department of Homeland <laughs> Security. Oh, no. um, they have a short, so extensions have been given to states to get their act together about their Real ID Act. California has until May 24th, my birthday, to figure out what's next or to get another extension. So seven other states, including New Jersey and Oregon, it's possible they will get another extension, But remember, the longer anybody waits to make sure they have a compliant license, you still have to go to your Department of Motor Vehicles, probably, and get that updated. And those are not places that are known for efficiency or short lines.
0: Exactly. That's the other mess there. Harriet Baskis, contributor to USA Today and runs the website StuckAtTheAirport.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for talking about this.